Hey everyone. It is January 11th, 2017, and we are live for another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast. My name is Rafael Garcia, calling from, or I guess dialing in from Washington, D.C., or the D.C. area, and we are here. We are back for another edition of MMA Ratings Podcast. I want to say thank you for listening. My partner, Schwan Humes, is going to join us as usual. He is on his way in, just sent him the invite for the session. And, yeah, so it's another week. Another edition of some interesting news within the MMA space. So we have a couple of things to talk about. Today, we're going to be talking about UFC Fight Night 103, which is coming up on this Sunday, Special Edition Sunday show. We'll be talking about that, and we'll be talking about some of the news from this week, such as Mark Hunt's lawsuit against the UFC. And uh, what else? Mark Hunt's lawsuit, um, UFC canceling another show, Meryl Streep's comments. So, yeah, we'll be talking about a couple of different things. Kind of a shorter show today because we do not have as much to talk about, at least not right yet, but I'm sure that Shawan and I will have some interesting conversations for you either way. But still, with that in mind, you know, let me let me get my partner on. So you're not just listening to me. First and foremost, I want to say thank you to everyone who has been supporting the show as of late. We've had some great numbers and we appreciate it. Because we appreciate you taking time to like the show, to listen to the show. You can find us at MMARatings.net. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at MMA Ratings um, in both spaces. Check us out on Facebook. Check out all of our content. And yeah, let me go ahead and get this show started. So first things first, you know, we're going to spend much of our agenda today talking about UFC Fight Night 103, where we are going to see a couple of different things. You know, obviously, at the top of the card is one guy that many of you may know, who goes by the name of um, BJ Penn, one of the most interesting athletes in MMA history. Um one of the few fighters to hold two championships in two divisions. Former lightweight champion, former welterweight champion. We'll be talking about him. We're going to be talking about uh, his big fight against Jair Rodriguez, which I think is an interesting fight. I'm looking forward to seeing how Schwann breaks this fight down because you certainly have a moment where you have a guy who's returning didn't look as good as he's always have in the past. So he's coming back to fight against someone who is an up-and-comer who has been looking great uh, in his last few wins within the UFC. So it's an opportunity for Rodriguez. I feel like he's the one that has everything to lose in this fight because if he loses to a quote-unquote aging BJ Penn, that definitely knocks a lot of um, the sales out of his rise to fame, um, especially if he loses in ex- exciting type fashion because that's not going to look good for him in any way, shape, or form. So yes, of course, we have him on the docket. We also have, um, who else we have? We also have Yaya Rodriguez on the other side of that, 9-1 fighter who is only, he's still young, 24 years old. And this is his fourth fight, fifth fight, one, two, three, four, five, sixth fight in the UFC. And he's looking to um, build on that run at featherweight because he's put together pretty good, um, pretty good last few wins. You know, he has that split split decision win against Alex Caceres at UFC Fight Night 92. I feel like that fight wasn't necessarily a split split decision. I don't remember it all the way, but I think it's one of those ones where the judges were may have been. Not watching as closely as it should, but he also has that highlight real win over um, Andre Touchy Feely. So yeah, uh, Rodriguez is someone that 
the UFC has their eye on. He's someone that the um, UFC can definitely build upon because obviously everyone's well aware that they want to tap into the Mexican market. And this guy is from born and raised in Mexico. He is a um, he's the type of guy that a division not a division could be built around, but he's the type of guy that a showcase could be built around if um, given the right fight. You know, UFC is good for taking men and women who are from specific areas and showcasing them in a way where the opportunity gives them a chance to kind of shine in front of their hometown crowd. And Rodriguez is someone who um, who can grow in that way. So, yeah, um, let's see. What he can do in this fight, again, as I said, I'm, I'm looking forward to Schwann breaking this down because I think he's going to have some great things to say. But um, And we'll have some interesting things to say about this fight. And, um, yeah. Sorry about that momentarily, um, momentary silence there folks so yes let's uh let's look at this fight here because on one hand we have bj penn Give me one second, folks. Sorry about this. Try and get something squared away. Okay, so yeah, so we're we're back. Sorry about that. So yes, we are going to start with the fight between um, fight between Penn and Rodriguez. We're going to look at a couple of different things too. Obviously, we I'm most interested in talking about the Joe Lozon Marcin Held fight. I'm most interested in talking about the Joe Lozon Marcin Held fight. I think that that fight is going to be very interesting. It's going to be very technical, especially when the fight hits the ground. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that. We also have the bout between um, John Moraga and Sergio Pettis. That's that's another one. You know, Pettis is kind of he's only lost twice, but this guy's kind of lost a lot of steam since coming over, especially as his brother has continuously d- diminished in the last um, couple years. So. I think this is a, this is an important fight for Sergio as well. I'm going to be me and Shawana going to talk about that fight. Well, what else do I want to look at from this car? From this car, we also have, excuse me. Huh? Honestly, that's probably about everything that interests me from this event. What we're, and it's it's unfortunate because you know this is another one of those international cars that aren't the most exciting on paper. And it's coming after a pretty big um, moment at UFC 207 after a and it's um, an off after a an off weekend for UFC events and also it's on an odd day with it being on a Sunday. So it'll be interesting to see what types of numbers this show does once the uh, everything's tabulated after Sunday. But I think Schwan just joined us. How you doing there, sir? Good. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Doing good. We are um, live as always, back for another week uh, to talk all things MMA. And right now you came in at a perfect timing because we're talking about UFC Fight Night 103. That features the return of someone that's kind of important to MMA. I guess some people may call him a legend. Some people may call him a superstar, Hall of Famer, all those other names. But we do have the return of one BJ Penn. And I'm really interested in seeing how you break down this fight between him and Yaya Rodriguez. Like, I've seen Rodriguez fight, but I 
am really not too familiar. I, I kind of kind of it's kind of slipped my mind over a recent um recent months. So talk to me about this fight, man. What do you see when you see uh Yair versus Penn on paper? Well, um the biggest thing, I, I'm actually a Yair Rodriguez fan. I think he has a lot of potential, a lot of talent. Um, it seems like an interesting matchup, kind of more of an old school fighter against a new school fighter. Um, the thing about uh, the thing about Yair is I think people are favoring him over BJ, and I'm not saying they shouldn't because BJ hasn't looked, didn't look good in his last fight, hasn't looked good in his last couple fights. But people are forgetting that BJ was fighting Nick Diaz, Rory McDonald, and Frankie Edgar, uh, a kind of caliber of opponent that's way above where Rodriguez is and the kind of opponent that Rodriguez has never faced himself. So looking bad against essentially the best in, the best guys in the welterweight division and the, and the second best guy in the featherweight division, doesn't it doesn't carry as much weight with me when the people will say that BJ doesn't have it anymore or he can't compete. I don't know that that's the case. I know that he hasn't necessarily fared well against the elite, but Yari Rodriguez is not the elite. And that was before BJ seemingly has been more focused into his training and his preparation and his conditioning and training with actual UFC level fighters to prepare for what he's getting involved in. Um, I mean, BJ was more focused before the Frankie Edgar fight too. So our, like, we've heard this story time and time again. The thing about it was when he was doing that, he was doing it on his own. Like the times when BJ has been most dominant has been when he's been under somebody else's directions. Um, he worked under Marinovich, the conditioning coaches, during his run, his epic run at lightweight, when he came back, he was essentially doing his his own thing, working under coaches he was calling the shots with and kind of dictating things. Since he's given in to work with Greg Jackson, I feel a little bit better because Greg Jackson has a camp full of contenders, entitled challengers, entitleists. He's not gonna kowtow to BJ Penn. You know, he he's impressed by him. He likes him, he respects what he's done. But he's coached against BJ Penn, and in that regard, he's beaten BJ Penn. So he's already had a lot of ideas of how BJ Penn loses, why BJ Penn loses, and what BJ Penn could do to round out his game or be more effective. So I, I think in this case, BJ is actually going to be in the, in the best shape and actually fully prepared because he's in an actual camp. He's not doing his own camp where guys come through. He's in an actual MMA camp run by the people. He doesn't have any control over it. He just goes through what they want. He, he learns what they tell him to do. He spars with who they want him to, and it goes from there. And that's not something you've seen in BJ's later years when he's been coming back. He's just been dictating the terms. And when he's run the show, he's never been really great when he's running the show. When other people are running the show and pushing the conditioning and setting up the sparring, he looks spectacular. When he's running the show, it's hit or miss every time. So let me ask you this. Um, with the way he performed at UFC, the last fight, the fight against Frankie Edgar, can that one be charged to more of a, I don't want to say a learning curve, but it was his first time being there fighting with, um, I think that was his first fight under uh, the Winkle John camp, correct? I don't think so. I think when he had that fight against Edgar, he was once again doing his own, he wasn't even working with Jason Perillo. Jason Perillo, who was severely underrated, MMA coach. He works with Bisping and Cyborg, among two of his bigger bigger names he's worked with. He wasn't even working with him because a lot of people were like, well, why BJ coming on that ridiculous stance? And Perillo said, he had, that had nothing to do with me. BJ didn't call me in for this camp. I had nothing to do with it. I don't know why he came out looking the way he looked. And um, he wasn't working with he wasn't working with Jackson either. Jackson came after that loss a couple months after when he started talking about coming back to the UFC. That's when um, he reached out and they started setting things up. Okay, so then put your coding put put your coding put your coaching hat on. Then what do you expect to see from BJ in this return fight? Well, the biggest thing a lot the 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 first thing I looked at was his his opponent. And once again, as I said, this Rodriguez is a very good athlete. He's got a lot of potential. But my first of all, I want to say that I'm going for BJ. I think BJ is going to win this fight. Um, in watching Yari Rodriguez fight, I see a lot of holes that BJ can exploit. Even even the BJ that's really not in good shape could exploit it. As long as he comes out in this typical boxer stance and uses some of the remnants of his old style, I would think that BJ could still be Yari Rodriguez because he's a guy who's 
got a lot of athleticism, a lot of a wide range of skills, but he's not particularly effective in any one range. Even the kicking range, he's dynamic and explosive, but he's kind of predictable and he's and he's not he's not terribly accurate. That fight against Caceres and some of his other fights should have shown people that he misses a lot. He throws a lot of heat, there's a lot of creativity, but he misses a lot. He's not efficient. His his grappling isn't top notch, his wrestling isn't top notch. And his his boxing, it, it's it's all right. It's competent. But a lot of that is based off all his athleticism. I haven't seen a lot of depth and layered skill in what he does. So when I'm looking at BJ, I would tell BJ to come out there and not press it. You don't come out there and try and, and get in a firefight with this guy because that's a spot where you can get caught early. I'd actually try to walk him down and try to, like, put a jab on him and draw out counters. You know Yair is going to go for the big the big kick, the dynamic wide swinging punch. He's going to look to set up some kind of dynamic offense. He's not going to go at a slow, methodical pace with BJ Penn because BJ Penn's got too much experience for him. He's got too much experience. He's got the far better boxing. If if by some miracle it ends up on the ground, Yair Rodriguez doesn't want any parts of BJ on the ground. Nobody really does. Even in his faded times, people weren't rushing to get jumping to BJ Penn's guard and get an extended prolonged extended grappling exchanges with him that's just something that's never going to happen because he's just that good so if i'm bj i start cutting off the cage i put a jab on him i kind of force him to engage me first and i look for counters whether it's a counter takedown whether it's just a counter shot overhand right countering to the body it's it's whatever he chooses because bj is an experienced enough veteran that he knows what to look for he's going to see the signs but i'm going to be an aggressive counter punch walk him down cut the cage slow the pace of the fight down and just break him down. I know Yair is going to give me chances to take him down because he's going to throw those spinning kicks, those high, those high altitude dynamic kicks. He's going to throw them. He's going to throw wide, hard punches. He's going to come charging in. And if BJ is set for the counter, he's going to run right Yair into the straight right hand, a left hook. He could run him into a takedown. And if BJ Penn gets on top of him, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's all over. I haven't seen anything that Yari Rodriguez has done that tells me that even BJ Penn, a faded BJ Penn can't have, have his way with him on the ground. So it's just a matter of being applying deliberate pressure and slowly breaking him down. You don't let him dictate the pace. You know he's gonna fight, he's gonna explode in spots. Let him explode in those spots. But just draw out what you want to see from him. And then you land those counters. And his and Yair's defense is wide open. It's all athletically based. He's too quick, he's too fast to get hit. Once he starts slowing down, I expect BJ to push up the volume, wear him down, and, and hopefully finish him within five rounds, is what is what I'm thinking. So let's so let's flip the script there then. Um, what do you think needs to be done for Rodriguez to get the win here? Uh, the faster the pace of the fight, the better for y- Yair. If he can just come out and put something on BJ really quick, because BJ hasn't fought in a long time, and BJ's had big breaks. In between, I know he's sparred a lot, but I know he's very seasoned. But the best time to catch him is fr- is early. Catch him fresh. It's similar to the thing with Ronda Rousey. If, Man- if Manda Nunes would have given her some space, let her work herself into the fight, get some confidence, Amanda Nunes would have had a huge problem. But the fact is she jumped on her immediately and didn't give her any ground, didn't let her have any success, hit her early, hit her often, and overwhelmed her. That's, that's essentially what I would try if I'm Rodriguez. I'm trying to catch him early and, he, and, and force him into a, in, into a high-paced fight because BJ Penn historically – can fight a round or two at a high pace, but usually after that is when you start slowing down. And he might be in better shape now, but the fact of the matter is he is a veteran. He is older now. He's not as young as he used to be. So fatigue is going to set in a little bit faster than it did before. So if you can get him into a high octane, lots of activity fight, you can wear on him and then hopefully take over in the later rounds if you're still there. So, yeah, he's 38 years old and he... um. He's 38, and he has fought two times in the last five years, losing to Rory McDonald and Frankie Edgar. So, yeah, he's definitely um, had a very slim production schedule over that time. You're definitely right. Um, so we're gonna, I'm going to keep firing the questions at, at, at you here. So I personally believe that Yair has the most to lose um, in this fight here. Do you agree or not? I agree with you completely because if I, if you lose, I mean, this is almost, this would almost be TJ Dillashaw bad is when Dominic Cruz basically got off the operating table, took a break at the analyst desk and then walked to the cage and handed Dillashaw his ass. 
you're be a guy who hasn't really won a fight against anybody of note in how many years? And this guy comes in 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 38, having not won a fight, rusty, not sharp in theory, and he comes in, he handles you. If he beats him by decision, it's it's bad. If he finishes him, it's pretty embarrassing. And it and it tells us that Yari Rodriguez is not who everybody else thinks he is. Once again, I think he's a talent. I think he's got the ability. But I don't think Yari Rodriguez is as is, is, is good as everybody keeps telling me is. They keep telling me, look at his highlights. I see all those highlights. He didn't finish a lot of people in those highlights. He missed a lot of kicks and punches in those highlights. He got tired late in fights in those highlights. He has a lot of creativity, a lot of unorthodox moves. But when have you ever seen him work in consistent jab? When have you ever seen him use defense, solid, defensively responsible maneuvers and counters? I haven't seen it. In like five, in four or five fights I've seen him, he's easy to hit. He's not particularly hard to take down. He's dynamic on the feet, but is an unorthodox as he is, he's somewhat he's somewhat predictable. Watch that Caceres fight. Same kicks over and over. Rushing in on punches. I mean, anybody who had a pivot and a right hook or left hook would have walked him into a KO shot. And he's beat some athletic, talented guys, but he hasn't beaten anybody who can really take punishment, who's got a real high IQ and has a real sense of combat sports as far as I've competed against the best. I know how to handle myself. I know how to maneuver. I know how to find ways to win and find ways to survive. I don't think Yari Rodriguez would have made it through two rounds with Frankie Edgar if he would have fought him. And BJ did that. BJ went rounds with Diaz. He went rounds with McDonald. He's got a chin. He's got experience. He's got he's got to know this is the last chance. There's a lot of there's a lot of intangible advantages that BJ has that people are dismissing because he's an older guy. And I get that. But if you look at Yair Rodriguez for what he's done in the fight and his skill set, it's hard for me to say that he actually beats beats Penn. Now he might beat Penn, he might beat him. It's possible. But where is he gonna beat him at? Is he gonna knock him out? I don't know that he hits that hard. He didn't knock Caceres out. Is he gonna submit him? Nah, that's not gonna happen. He's not submitting BJ Penn. If he submits BJ Penn, BJ Penn needs to never come back to MMA. Is he gonna out wrestle him? I haven't seen too many guys actually out wrestle BJ Penn still. Maybe Frankie Edgar. And that was only when BJ Penn was using that ridiculous stance he was using. So I don't have a clear way of victory for Yair Rodriguez. I think BJ can knock Yair out. I think BJ can submit Yair. I think BJ can take him down and work him over for a couple rounds. I really think he has more avenues to win the fight. And the only reason it's going to hurt Yair's reputation is because nobody's giving him, giving BJ any respect or any chance because of how bad he's looked against the best of the best of every division. That's why nobody's giving him a chance. Who outside of the elite guys that made BJ Penn look look human? Roy McDonald made him look human. GSP made him look human. Nick Diaz and Frankie Edgar. Who don't those guys dominate? Yeah, that's a very true um, true story there. That's a very true story. A good way to break it down there. So let me ask you this next. So you're picking BJ Penn to win the fight. BJ Penn wins. What's next for him? You know, he's 38 years old. He's in the featherweight division for the first time around or second time around because he fought um, Edgar there. What, what do you see that's next for him? I don't believe he can defeat any any other contenders right now. Like, if let's look at the top fifteen in the UFC rankings. Let's see who he could possibly be. I'm going to guess. Um, I'm sure you, you'll pick him over some of these guys, but let's just see who's here because I can't really remember. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I know, I know. You know what, Henan Henan Burrell. Has not looked really good to me. He looks real shaky to me. He he doesn't look like his chin's still there. If if BJ if B, if BJ beats Yair Rodriguez, Hennen Brow would be a good fight for him. I know Brow's dynamic. I know he's got athleticism and length, but he's been very hittable. He doesn't look look he he doesn't look like he absorbs or recovers from strikes as well as he used to. He doesn't have the same work rate. I mean he he went he went tooth and nail with Philip Nova. He's so I guess. Him. He's ranked. He ranks in the top ten. Yeah, I think. Well, I think he's he's fourteen like, now. Oh, so me, let's let's see. So from let's go ten down. Okay. Number ten is Yair Rodriguez. Eleven is Doho Choi. Twelve is Darren Elkins. That, that I can see him winning a, a Darren Elkins fight unless Elkins wrestles him for two out of three rounds. Um, Mirsad Betich is thirteen. Hen Brown is fourteen, and Andre Feely is fifteen. I can agree with you on on Hinton Burrell and Andre Feely. I can I can see him beating him too. Yeah, yeah. I I really think the the big if BJ if BJ's in shape and he's really 
adjusted his training to fit his age and to fit what he's dealing with in the octagon now. And most importantly, if he still has his his durability, like he really can still take a shot. I think he beats Philly. Philly. I'm pretty sure he's going to beat Rodriguez. I already went for him against Rodriguez. I think he beats Burrell. Um, who was the other guy? Uh, Elkins. I think he can Elkins. beat Elkins. He, he just has to be in shape, and he has to, he has to fight smart. If he if he fights smart, using his footwork, using his jab, Elkins' stand up offense isn't great, and his stand up defense is is isn't. Worse would be saying saying his stand up defense is bad is an insulting is an insult to bad stand up defense. He's just easy to hit on the feet. And BJ, mm-hmm. if he's on point, his takedown defense is almost immaculate. He's only been taken down by the very best guys in the world. Darian Elkins is more of a volume, I wear you down with my constant attempts kind of takedown guy. He's not a sharp technique dude. I mean, BJ, if he's right and he's on his game and he shows something against Rodriguez this weekend, I would pick BJ to stop Elkins. Elkins can take a beating, but BJ's a sharp, sharp puncher. It's just a matter of whether his conditioning's there and if his chin's there. If those two things are on point, I think he beats those guys from 15 to 10. Interesting, interesting. I, you know, looking at that list, I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna argue that. I think it's, I think it's a pretty interesting call, um, and, I, and I'm not, and I'm not too surprised there. Um, Let's, let me yeah. add, I'm going to ask one more question in reference to this. Indictment against Rodriguez. I'm not saying Rodriguez is terrible. I'm not saying he can't fight. It's just if when I watch the film and I see him fight and I see who he's had trouble with and the level of skill they have and the level of experience and their physical durability, if BJ Penn is right, which I'm thinking he is, because he, he has to know this, this is his last chance, I don't see how Yair Rodriguez beats him on anything if, from a technical perspective. I'm not saying he can't do, he can't win. I'm just saying when somebody explains to me, I'm like, how does he win? He knocks him out. Who is he knocked out? He knocked out Andre Feely with like a clean, powerful head kick. Who else has he knocked out? Who Andre Feely? No, I mean Yari Rodriguez. He knocked out Feely, but oh. who who else has he knocked out in the UFC? Who else has he just ran through? Um, who else has I got his record up right here? He had do you remember that fight with Alex Caceres is listed as a split decision, but I feel like that was Yair's fight. And it, it was, was it was a it was it was a tight fight. Yeah, it it was really even fight. It could have went to Caceres, to be honest. It was a it was a pick em fight. To be quite honest, it it wasn't a dominant performance by Yair at all. In fact, Yair faded badly late in the fight. He just kept spamming high spinning kicks and wheel kicks, and he kept missing them. And he eventually got tired, and then Caceres started touching him up. If Caceres would have put more pressure on him, Caceres could have could have won that fight. He might have gotten him out of there. But Caceres doesn't like to put offense together either. He's kind of a highlight, one shot at a time, spinning kick, fancy front kick type of guy. Same thing as Rodriguez. It was two of the same guys fighting each other. And they basically canceled each other out. Is that, well, yeah, like that was, um, I couldn't really remember that fight um, when I look at his resume. But other than that, you know, the only other individuals he's, and I say only in a bad way, but he's defeated Dan Hooker, Charles Rosa, and Leandro Morales since joining the UFC in 2014. And I don't think he knocked any of those guys out either. He uh, no, he did not. So people keep telling me early knockout. I don't remember BJ ever really getting knocked out by a guy who, who hadn't shown some ability to put people away. Even Frank Yeager put Maynard away. He put Mendes away. He's put people away before. Uh, Feely's, he doesn't technically, he doesn't put shots together well enough to put people away. And, and he doesn't have one shot knockout power. So when people tell me knockout, I can't see that. When they say, they tell me he's going to outgrapple BJ Penn. I mean, you're you you grapple. You know how good BJ is. The likelihood yeah. of, the likelihood of him finishing BJ Penn is if the, if he finished BJ Penn by submission, that would be my submission of the year. I wouldn't have to see nothing else. You submitted BJ Penn. That's good enough. You've already won submission of the year from this point on. But that's not going to happen either. I guess he could out wrestle him, but I haven't seen him out wrestle anybody either. So everything people tell me he about him winning is attribute-based. He's just so dynamic. He's so young. BJ looks so bad. Okay, BJ looks so bad, but what are you telling me technically and strategically he's going to do to win this fight? And when I say that, people don't really have a good answer for me. They're just like, oh, he'll overwhelm him with volume. He'll explode on him. Yeah, that could happen, but that's, that's not something I want to bet on. I want to bet on something that I've seen him do over the past couple of fights, and I haven't seen him do the things that I think he needs to do to beat BJ. If I'm not mad at you for that. Too. I got some good breakdowns there. 
Sorry to cut you off. I get I get talkative. You know how I am. No, no, no. It's all good. It's all good. I was just saying that, that like those are some um some good breakdowns, and I understand why you are seeing it the way you do. Let me ask you this then too. So um, what else from this event kind of stands out for you? In my opinion, I'm really looking forward to this Joe Lozon Marcin Held fight. I think we're going to see a lot of technical grappling here. I think we're going to see some play on the feet at the start, but this fight is going to hit the floor. I think we're going to see some very technical grappling, and this is the type of fight that gets me excited because um, Marcin Held, he may not have looked great in, in his UFC debut, but we know what this guy is known for. He's known for heel hooks. He's known for tight submissions. Interesting um, transitions and top control, and but he can play both sides. He can play off the top. He can play off his back. So I'm looking forward to seeing this fight because Lozon is very aggressive, and he has a, a, a aggressive grappling style too. But Marcin Held is not the guy to uh, sleep on because once he, he gets a hold of something, you might be missing that limb. The, the biggest thing I like I like Held. I think he's got some talent. The problem the problem I have with Held is he doesn't seem, and I've talked to a couple people about this. He doesn't seem like an all-round grappler. From what I've been told, he bounces around a lot of gyms, like goes in for sparring. He trains a little bit here and there. And as a person who's done that myself, once again, I've never fought, but as a person who bounces around gyms, kind of checks this gym out for a while, checks this gym out for a while, it's a good way to get familiar with a lot of styles. It's a good way to test how effective your style is, but it's not necessarily the best way to add the layers that you need or address the holes that you need in your, address the holes in your game. Like, you might you might get exposed to them, but when you're only going there for a little while, you don't get exposed to them to the point where you have to actually address them because you're not you're not there long enough for guys to really make you pay for it. And since you're not part of the gym, a lot of guys aren't really going out of their way to assist you in developing clear counters and clear escapes and clear answers for the questions that your st- style might might pose. So held as good as he is at leg locks. He, to me, he's not a very good. He's not a very good grappler. He's a very creative leg lock guy. He's a very dynamic leg lock guy. He's a very unorthodox leg lock guy. But that's all he has. If you watch his fight, that's all he goes for. Lozon to me is a more complete grappler. He's a little bit more physical, and he's he's more, he pushes more of a pace. I don't think Held has really good cardio. I think Lozon can out wrestle him. And if Lozon can a bit of, basically, if Lozon can avoid the leg locks, it, and defend them, what's going to happen is Held's going to expend all his energy going for those leg locks. And then he's going to end up on the bottom, and then he's going to get out wrestled, and he's going to get chopped up. Is is my impression of how the fight goes? Because Held's wrestling isn't great, and his defensive counter grappling isn't good, except for his ability to uh, reverse or switch into a leg lock. I haven't seen him work an effective guard. I haven't seen him use triangles and arm bars, even as threats to get better position or to finish. I've seen him work a lot of leg locks. It, the, with, when he's faced the best guys, that's what he's resorted to. And when that hasn't worked, guys have worked him over ground him out and then beat him up. I mean, that's been the story of his life. And that's what he that's why that's why he lost against Diego. And I picked Diego to beat him. I'm like, he's not gonna submit him. Diego's gonna get on top and he's just gonna grind him out. And even if they're doing switches and reversals and and scrambles, Diego might not have the greatest shin, but his cardio is you can't his cardio is bulletproof. His cardio is nuclear warhead proof. He will never get tired grappling. And I know Hell does. And when Hell gets tired, he gets sloppy. When he gets sloppy, his defense and his counters get even worse, and he just gets beat up. I expect Lazan to be able to outgrapple him. And if Lazan really wants to be cocky about it, Hell ain't got nothing for him on the feet unless Lazan's just heart's just not in it, and he's not, not willing to go. He's not willing to take a little bit to get his offense off. But if he's in the same mindset he had when he fought Dan Miller, he's gonna he he should beat up Hell. That he and it should be a good fight at first, but he should walk Hell down and then beat him up. In my opinion. Okay. Okay. I'm. I'm. Um. I can definitely see your breakdown there. I'm looking forward to that fight as well. What else from this card stands out to you? I looked over it today and I wasn't too too impressed with what I saw, but I'm sure that you can find some value in UFC Fight Night 103. Well, there's a couple of fights. Um, one. Um. I know he's had some losses, but the thing about Sergio, I, I've said this before many times, I've said this on Twitter. I think he's actually the better Pettis brother. I think Anthony Pettis is more of an athlete who's got a lot of intangible natural ability that allows him to do certain things and allowed him to get to a certain point of success. But once got once the talent level started evening out and people started seeing more tape on him, he hasn't developed the fundamental skills to put the big play offense all together. And worse yet, he hasn't developed the fundamental defensive and countering skills to keep guys from putting big offense on him. 
Sergio Pettis isn't the athlete Anthony is. Not power-wise, not timing-wise, not speed-wise, nothing. He's just not. So he's been forced to have to develop these games. All the things that you, I find holes in with Anthony Pettis' game, I don't find those holes at all with Sergio, or I don't find it to be as big. He knows how to use a jab. He knows how to control a pace. He can pivot. He'll move his feet. He'll, he knows how to work his way into certain spots and work his way out of certain spots. He has a sense of urgency because he knows he can't just turn a fight around by finding a submission or finishing someone because he's got such powerful single strikes. He knows he has to work entire rounds to win fights. He knows he has to fight very smart to win fights. He knows he has to have a sense of urgency and pick his spots when to push it. He can't just let a guy outwork him. He's not just going to let a guy dictate pace on him knowing that he can finish at any time. Sergio Pettis doesn't know that he can finish at any time, which means he has to be on his P's and Q's as far as defensive responsibility, responsibility and offensive efficiency. So I'm interested to see if he takes yet another step forward and showcases the differences between him and Anthony Pettis, because at one point people were like, maybe he'll be as good as Anthony. But I think if you really watch the tape and you start watching film, you're going to start hoping that maybe Anthony Pettis will take a take a take some direction from Sergio and start rounding out his all round rounding out his game so that he won't have as many holes that can be exploited because people have figured out Pettis and he's he's lost a bunch of fights in a row Sergio while not fighting that, that level of opponent has not lost multiple fights in a row and he hasn't lost them in a manner that, where he wasn't competitive so I'm interested to see if he takes the next step to becoming a legitimate contender in his division I think he has the skills and the mindset to do so um, the only other fight I was probably interested in seeing just out of the fact that it should get some attention because this woman's um, in a relationship with the new Bantamweight champion or the current Bantamweight ch champion Nina Ansaroff, she's fighting on the preliminary card and um, that, that's going to be a point of interest from a lot of people because once again she's an openly um, gay fighter so she's a lesbian fighter and she's also connected to Aunt Amanda Nunes so some people will check into that fight just to see how she does, you know, it, it, it might be a point of interest between them. I mean, a lot of people benefit from the relationships they have when they occur in the, in the UFC. Brian Caraway's benefited from being connected to Misha Tate. Misha Tate benefited by being connected to Brian Caraway. I think this might play something similar. And uh, Ansaroff, though not a top fighter in her division, she has a lot of talent and she has some skill. And if she makes some adjustments, she could really make a run. I don't know that she's made those adjustments yet, but she hasn't been in the cage in a while. Um, so I'm hoping to see some growth from her because that division is getting a little thinned out because Joanne's been just running through everybody. We need uh, more contenders to come up and to push people to, so that we, have, we, we continue to have the high-level um, title fights that we've been having in that division. That's some, um, that's some good breakdowns there, I man. That's some good breakdowns. I'm looking at this. You know, this card's on Sunday, so I'm interested in seeing what um, – what kind of numbers it does from a production standpoint, but um, you know, I'm I wasn't too too interested in in the showcase, but I definitely do appreciate how you look at the event. Um, let's talk about some of the news that broke um from this week, and perhaps the biggest and most interesting bit is the fact that Mark Hunt has sued the UFC. Did you get a chance to look at at this story? Yes, I actually was looking into it um, earlier today, and um. I have to say, I was impressed. I was too. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this fight if it gets thrown out or uh, if something else occurs, uh, simply because if you look at if you look at the um, if you had the opportunity to read like the outline of what he's suing for, it's it'll be interesting to see if the UC can get out of this. Um, because some people are saying, you know, he has a very good case built. There's others saying that he may it may just get tossed out. Um, and he's don't forget, he's still listed as a um, participant in UFC 209. So this guy is working for the UFC and he's also suing. But remember, he's an independent contractor. You know, they treat their independent contractors like employees. But hey, you know, that's another conversation for another day. Um, do you think he has a chance to win this lawsuit? Um, I, I don't know enough about law to know that he does. I think he made some very legitimate points. I mean, how they made these exceptions for Brock Lesnar that they don't make for other people. I mean, look at Angela Hill. She was supposed to be in the UFC, but she wasn't allowed to because of uh, her inability, her, her, her being out of the testing program, yet they found a loophole for Brock Lesnar to get in. And while I understand why Brock Lesnar gets in, you know, it starts with M and ends with Y. 
we know why that happened. It doesn't necessarily make it right. And I think he makes a lot of legitimate points in in attacking this issue because, I mean, he didn't put himself at risk. They are, they supposedly they are trying to crack down on people using PEDs of any sort, and yet they just gave this guy a wide open loophole to compete with possible PEDs. And they did find him, but once again, Brock Lesnar gets paid a lot of money, j- just money that we know about. He makes a lot. I'm sure he made a lot more. So the fine they gave him is not the kind of fine that, in my opinion, changes his life, especially since he has another line of income being the WWE. So it doesn't really hurt him that bad. In fact, you know, it, for Brock Lesnar, the damage it did, nobody expect, expected him to be clean. So it, didn't, it cost him a little bit of money, but it once again shows that he's a legitimately tough guy because he beat a top-ranked heavyweight. He, he, he beat him and made it look fairly easy. My issue, and, and once again, let me commend Mark Hunt for taking this step forward because a lot of guys complain about the UFC, a lot of guys whine about the UFC, a lot of guys say this and that, but they don't do anything. They don't make any gesture or take a stand they really backs up their point. They want other people to die on the hill for them. Mark Hunt's willing to die on the hill for what he believes. And while I, I commend it, I'm very impressed by it. I don't know if it's the best move. I mean, I guess the UFC can't take him off the fight now because it would look kind of suspicious and, and it might work in the favor of his case. But, um, you know, it, he's playing a dangerous game because he loses this fight. And um, it might be a long time before Mark Hunt gets another fight. You know, he, he needs to win this fight. He can't afford to lose this fight. That's all I know. And secondly, Right, he cannot lose. He, he he can't afford now. If he lost this fight, um, I could see him. You know, he has value in Bellator and promotions across the world. So he, I would see him immediately getting picked up. But um, I'm not saying they would cut him. I'm just saying they could. The UC, the UC is like fifty cent when it comes to their pettiness. They don't let stuff go, and he could. They could hold him for a while. I mean, there's nothing he can do. He can. He. That's why he said he had to fight now. He's like. He said before, I lost money trying to make this stand against the UFC by not fighting, and I can't go anywhere else. I have to fight for these guys. These guys control my contract. I, I'm stuck with them until they let me go, or until I fight out all the fights on my contract. So he's stuck with them. They don't even have to cut him. He can only go to Bellator if they give him the opportunity. He can only go to Risen if they give him the opportunity to. His options lay at their, their feet, and they can decide whether to let him go, which if they were going to do that, they could have done that months ago. Or make him stay and just deal with and just deal with them until they're sick of dealing with them. They have all the cards in this. He doesn't really have any leverage in this at all. I mean, like none. Which is why I'm I'm so impressed by this because he, he's picking a battle that could essentially take him out of the sport for whatever few years he has left. And if he's if he already lost millions of dollars turning down fights before, how many more millions of dollars is he going to cost himself now? Because mm-hmm. I can't imagine they take this, they take this, you know, like, oh, well, you know, Mark's got a point, you know, let him just do what he's got to do. Well, Mark's got a point. There's no need to, there, there's no need to be petty. He, he's making a legitimate point. Let's just support him in this. I, I can't see that happening. Yeah, it's going to be, um, it'll be hell to pay if he doesn't get this win, especially if he doesn't do it in like a spectacular fashion. Because like you said, they are petty They and they will hold that against him. Um. And, and just one more thing. I, 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 while I do support what he's saying, and I get his point, I really do. I do not hate Mark Hunt. I don't think he should be in an unsafe work environment. I don't think he should be risking himself in an unsafe work environment. I support that 100%. But once again, I have to make this point, and I've said this before. It's hard for me to take you totally seriously after you take the money. You, you, he himself said, Brock Lesnar is juiced to the gills. So let's just say you really believe this guy is juiced to the gills, and he's using something, and it's dangerous, and it's it could risk your life. Why did you take the fight? They weren't offering you that kind of money where it's worth, you know, they weren't offering you Floyd Mayweather $20 million, $40 million to take the fight. You know, if you're telling me it's, it, it's a danger to your life, why did you take a fight that's a danger to your life for a couple hundred thousand or even a couple, or even one or two million? You know, you chose to take that fight, and you believe that he was using already. So you took the fight. You took your paycheck. And then once he turned out that he had used and it, beca- it became actually proven, then you started complaining. I-, I don't know if I'm really totally cool with that because you took the money and then you can complain. What you should have done is pass on the fight, let somebody else take it, and then go about your business. But you didn't want to do that because Brock Lesnar is a big payday. That's a lot of attention from you. And he took that. And then he complained after the fact. And I'm not, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure that I'm, I'm totally cool with that. 
and it it doesn't matter what I think. Who am I? But I'm just not so sure. I t- I'm totally cool with that. Hmm. Yeah. Um. I'm interested in seeing what lawyers have to say in reference to this this argument. I did a little bit of reading and what Hunt's lawyer had said. So yeah, it'll be um it'll be clear to see that something's going to come from this. The UFC. I don't think the UFC has released a statement yet. I haven't seen anything. But I know one thing though. I know Alex Alex Overeem better not fail a drug test because. Mark Hunt's gonna be gonna point and be loud as hell, and UFC's gonna come down on him. Like <laughs> he's at first, like a couple weeks ago, it was Cyborg better not fail a drug test, and unfortunately, she did. Now we can add Overeem to that list because he better not fail any drug test leading into or after UFC 209. That's true, but it, it, let's just say he 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 fails it, but he knocks out Mark Hunt. Let's say he beats in devastating fashion. Mark Hunt can say that you know this was because of drugs, and and that'll be fine, but for some reason, if he does, even if he wins the case, and I don't know how much he's trying to sue for, what he's going to think he's going to get out of it, it might be enough where he can retire on. He'd be a heavyweight who uh, on a who had lost, who's on a two fight losing streak and just lost a fight in dynamic fashion, which isn't a good look for him if he wants to max out the last few years of his career. You know, everybody's, everybody's standing up for this, but a lot of organizations, even organizations that are supposedly clean, don't want a guy who's a troublemaker. And this is the kind of stuff that unfortunately, even though he's in the right, screams troublemaker. You know, you have lots of guys who do the right thing and then can't get hired in their chosen profession anymore. Even though everybody says, I respect him in public. I respect him. He did the right thing. He's protecting himself and his family. And why can't this guy get a job now that he's been out of the sport sport or this industry for a year or two? Why can't? Well, nobody will hire him. Why? He's too much of a risk. Too much of a risk. Too much of a risk. And then we continue looking at some of the um, other stories from this week. And, you know, the UFC canceled their second show of 2017 already. They canceled the March 3rd event. There was that there was that event in the Philippines that they canceled that BJ Penn was originally supposed to fight on. And now they're canceling this event um, on March 3rd. You know, I don't think that this is a bad thing. Um, I would like to see them consolidate some of these events find that sweet spot and kind of and well what i would like to see them do is consolidate all of these pay-per-views have probably fewer pay-per-views and and feature more quality shows on the fox platform because we've seen now with these last three shows three or four or five shows that that fox platform can be a big ticket item for them especially during the football season so i hope that they begin to get rid of some of these quote-unquote meaningless cards like this this event was a was a fight pass uh, event, which again, the Fight Pass is a good free platform, but they haven't. I don't think they will leverage it the same way that the WWE leverages their WWF WWE network. So having these events on Fight Pass may not be the most attractive to fight fans. But it's that Fox platform, fighters don't even want to be on it. <laughs> Go ahead, say that again. I said even fighters don't want to be on it. That was Lorenz Larkin's whole argument. I'm trying to get a name for myself and make big money. That's not going to happen on Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's not like going to happen nobody... on Fight Pass. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not I'm not too mad at them for canceling this um this event on March 3rd. I don't think it's too much of a um what's the word too much of a fire alarm or anything like that. I think that this is a this is a positive step for business purposes. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think they've uh, overplayed their hand a little bit just because, you know, everybody's like, you can never get enough to you can never get too much MMA. And I'm like, is, I'm a fan of it and I'll watch it regardless. But for the casual fans and that's the people who drive the big numbers and get the big pay-per-views, they're not going to be invested in all these cards you have because you don't have enough superstars to push them forward. And it's not like a basketball team or a, or a football team or something where that represents your city. So, you know, you're guaranteed this much attention from this part of the country, you know, I mean, there's certain, with certain teams, you're guaranteed so many millions are just going to watch just because it's from this part of the country and they want to see their Cowboys, their Redskins, their whoever do well. You're guaranteed a certain amount of number of that. It's not the same with combat sports because those fighters, even though they say they represent their city or their town or their state, they really just represent themselves. And they don't have that overall pull that the whole city wins when Ronda Rousey wins. California doesn't win a title for Ronda Rousey. You know what I'm saying? It's not like it's not a title for that city or that state. You know where I'm coming from? Yeah, I definitely do. Steelers win, Pittsburgh wins, or the whole state wins. When Dallas wins, Dallas wins, or Texas wins. When 
a guy from Texas wins a title, it's not for all of Texas, it's for him. And there's a big difference. So I think they have to play smart because they want to maximize their money. And the only way to maximize it is to enhance the depth and the quality of the cards and save the pay-per-views for the people who can really do numbers. You know, you, it's the same thing in boxing. Canelo could do a pay-per-view. Floyd Mayweather used to be able to do pay-per-views. Outside of that, if you're not one of those guys, you shouldn't be doing pay-per-views. Just fight on cable. Fight on regular cable. Make your couple million. And if you get a big enough fan base, then go on pay-per-view. But pay-per-view is saved only for the rarest and biggest of stars. And anytime somebody who's not one of those guys gets on pay-per-view, they get kicked in, they get kicked in the teeth financially. And this company, after paying all this money for the UFC, is not looking forward to losing more money or wasting any time with pointless pay-per-view cards that aren't going to sell, that aren't going to help their bottom line. I'm, I'm definitely with you there. Um, I think we're going to see 2017 is going to be an interesting business, an interesting shift in how the UFC does business. And, you know, I, I sat out there and said, I threw it out there all on the line during our, um, our end of the year show, which you can find on YouTube, when I called that I think that Dana White may not be with the organization at the end of this year. Cause I think that they're really going to shift how they're doing some of their business, um, business deals. And I think that leverage better leveraging their platforms is going to be the start of it. You know, the funny thing about it is like everybody's, the fighters are more invested in the business now. And now the company, even though with it, you MMA has been a big business thing, but now even the company's being more efficient and, and more vigilant in the actual finance, the subtle financial aspects of business. Cause it's being run by business. Now it's not, it's not Dana White and his friends who got the money, whatever, and they're running a business. It's going to be an actual business who took over this business who's going to start re- running it through their model and their structure to their beliefs. And their goal isn't necessarily to put the best fights together. Their goal isn't to have the best fight and the best. Their goal is to make money. And that's the same way the fighters are looking at it now. I don't want to fight the best. If I can make, if I can make 20000 a show and 20000 to win fighting the number 11 guy, I'll fight him rather than fight the number four guy and only make eight to show and eight to win. I'll fight whoever's going to bring me more attention and improve my brand and improve my stock. Everybody's trying to just hit the bottom line. It's no longer about competition in its purest form anymore. It's about what's going to get us back the money we've invested in this. The fighters want the money they've invested. The company that invested wants their money that they've invested. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be... Um... It's going to be a whole new UFC for, for all of us. It's going to be a whole new UFC. Let's say Conor McGregor versus Diego Sanchez. What? It's going to be um. It's going to get crazy, man. It's going to be a uh, crazy year. And speaking of like crazy uh, conversations when it comes to MMA, you know, I thought that Meryl Streep was nowhere near the list of names that I thought would be spoken about on popular um, MMA broadcasts and hearing fighters, hearing Dana White talk about her or anything like that. She's probably one of the, she's one of the names I would have never thought would have come up in conversation. But of course, she had some interesting conversations, interesting comments to say during the Golden Globes earlier this week. And I get what she was trying to do. She was trying to take a shot at Donald Trump and his foolishness. And in doing so, she decided to take aim at a sport which he has kind of supported in the past. But yep. in doing so, she said some pretty interesting things about about MMA that has uh, gotten some people pissed off. So what do you think about, A, what she said, and does it matter? Should we even be talking about this? You know, well, first thing I want to say is, like, I don't, know, I don't know who said this, but I saw it on Twitter. And the fact that she said, she said the MMA instead of UFC was a huge step forward and I agree because most people say the UFC when they talk MMA they don't really there's most people aren't fans of MMA they're fans of the UFC so the fact that she understood there was a distinction or maybe she didn't or maybe she just chose those words either way it showed me a step forward in the consciousness because that means people are more familiar with the actual sport not the organization the sport takes place in which the UFC is I don't necessarily have a problem with what she says I mean she's not very informed on MMA She's not, she doesn't really know. I mean, she's not friends with fighters. I don't know that she's friends with anybody who runs an organization. All she might know is what she's heard from relatives or younger people or what she's seen in video clips or what she's seen in passing articles. 
So her statement really doesn't mean as much. Just as just as when uh, fighters tell me how easy acting is, and acting's not a skill, and acting's not an art. It's just you get 15 takes to do it right. Anybody can do that. I don't listen to fighters, and they say that either. A acting so easy. Well, let's see the best examples of MMA fighters acting. I've seen it. Not very impressed. Sorry. So yeah, no. Um, I'm not very um, impressed with her comments too, and I get why people are talking about it. She's not informed. She's 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 about informed is informed about MMA as most MMA fighters are actually legitimately informed about the art of acting or the art of theater. They're not informed. So why why do I care about their opinion? Even if a famous fighter says acting's easy, who are you? Have you how many awards have you won? Nothing. Exactly. Do you think? Exactly. You know? The same way the same way she would expect one of them to tell her how to perform in a musical is as much as she should be telling and a fighter, what is uh, art and telling them about their sport. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And, and you know what? I, I just don't, I don't think anybody should go, should be trying to go ham on her. I don't think anybody should be just like lashing out on her because I understand they're frustrated. I understand they feel a certain kind of way, but her mentioning, her mentioning the UFC on that form or the MMA in that form is most attention MMA's gotten in years. I mean, like, that's a big forum. Meryl Streep said it. She might not know anything about it, but the publicity, the way you could spin this, all the conversation you can create from it has done MMA journalists, MMA fighters, huge favors. Now people are asking, what do you think about this? What do you think about Meryl Streep saying this? When do you ever think Meryl Streep and some of these fighters are gonna be named in the same sentence? Never. So you got, you, you got some free advertising, maybe it wasn't positive, but now when they come to you, you have a chance to spin it and do it in a mature, responsible, intelligent way. Or you could just say, who the fuck is Meryl Streep? She sucks. You could waste the opportunity like that, or you can maximize the opportunity and show them how smart you are, how aware you are, and how responsible you are, and how respectful you are. It, it's either way. It's a great situation for somebody to make a name off and, and separate themselves from the crowd. The question is, are the fighters going to be smart enough to take advantage of it? Because I guarantee you that was all over Twitter, that was all over Google, it was all over the news, and that was a chance for someone to, to come in, swoop in, and represent MMA the way they want to represent it, and maybe make a name for themselves. But I don't know if anybody's journalist or fighter took that upon themselves to do. Yeah. Um, what's really but what's really unfortunate is that I get her message. You know, she was trying to talk about the normalization of Donald Trump's behaviors and the things that are going on in the political landscape this year, but she completely missed our audience. Like she completely miss, misspoke in a way that turned off the audience to, to what could have been a very powerful statement. And that's, it's very unfortunate. It's unfortunate well, that we're talking about this in this manner, as opposed to applauding her for making a statement on a major stage. You're right. But the thing about it is this, once again, she's not a politician. I mean, I hate to say this. I know she. I think she. I think she's an incredible actress. Nobody's gonna tell me Meryl Streep can't act. If you tell me that, we might have to end the show. She's a great actress, but she's not a. She's not a speaker on that level. She was trying to do something. The execution didn't come off. The execution fell flat. That happens to millions of people who, in everyday life, it happens to millions of people on TV and radio. So, I, while I, I'm sad that she kind of fumbled it. I understand what she was trying to say and I appreciate what she was trying to do just like you. She just didn't execute it very well. And I, and I can't I can't really be too hard on her because a lot of there's politicians who don't execute very well and that's their actual job to make these kind of points. So I think she could have handled it better. I think she should have found a better way to do it, maybe rehearsed it better, but I understand what she was doing. I understand the point she made. I understand the mistakes she made. I'm just saying either way from the mistakes she made, somebody could have benefited, MMA could have benefited. And MMA did benefit as a result. So while her, her mess up put some heat on her and put a target on her back a little bit, it gave a lot of fighters and promoters an opportunity to speak up and get their names out there off of what she said. That was, a, that was an entry, entryway in. Do you think she shows up to this the Bellator event that she was invited to? If, if Kimbo Slice, rest, his, rest, rest in peace, Kimbo, was still there, I think she might. I really <laughs> do. But uh, I, don't, I don't think now. But if Kimbo Slice there, I, I think she might have. Because... Imagine Meryl Streep and Kimbo Slice of Bellator sitting in the crowd. Imagine that happening. I don't even want to think about that. that that's I don't even want to think about that. That's better than Snoop and who's the one he does the show with? Martha Stewart. Meryl Streep 
Kimbo Slice, Ed Bellator, and then they go to the Academy Awards. Kimbo chilling in the crowd in Academy Awards. Oh. Don't even, I, don't even do that. It hurts my heart just that I missed out on that. Hurts me. Hurts me bad. Oh my god, that hurts. Oh my god. So, yeah, man, like I'm not I'm, I want to close it there because you just put the worst image in, in my mind. We're gonna go ahead and we're gonna close the show there. Um, you know, because yeah, I can't even begin to think about uh think about that. Let the let, let everybody know, let our or let all listeners know what you're working on uh this week and what you got brewing in the world of MMA ratings and the sport as a whole. Um of course I, I do pieces on MMA ratings. I just this week they released the final installment of my developing a prospect um, pieces that I was doing as three part piece. I finally finished the third part. It just kind of goes into matchmaking, which is the final stage of development and how matchmaking plays a part in the finished product that you see for prospect going from prospect to legitimate contender to hopefully world champion. So that was something I'm very proud of. It was something I got a lot of good feedback off on the first two pieces and people were asking me when the third one's coming out. So anybody's listening, the third one's out on MMA ratings as we speak. Um, the next thing I'm working on, I think it's going to be two-parter, not quite sure, but essentially it's something I brought up when I first got on the show, and it's talking about how a lot of MMA camps need to invest in outside consultation, just because I feel like when you're in the same group, when you're in a group with full of people who agree with you and see things the same way you do, you can't be prepared for everything, you can't grow, you can't pressure test your ideas because you're just dealing with people who see things the same way as you. The only way you get growth and development is when you're challenged. You're not gonna be challenged by people you constantly work with all the time because eventually y'all start coming to the same logical um, results. And so I'm thinking uh, MMA camps need some outside consultants to help them for things that they might miss or look at problems from a different perspective so that they, they can benefit their fighter. Sounds like you're um, probably for a job, my friend. Uh, hey, dude, I've done it before. I'm telling you, anybody who I'm, I'm going to be live tweeting the shows as always when the fight, watch what I'm saying, and I'll be telling you what these guys should be doing. And if you pay close attention, you'll be like, you know what, if he really did that, that, that would really work. Like, why is he doing this? Why is his corner keep saying get in his face? The guy keeps punching him. Maybe you should try and stay away from him. Maybe they should try that. I'm not hating on these corners. I want these guys to get their money. I, I want them to have a chance to be successful and have their camps grow big. But my concern is the fighters. I don't want a fighter's career cut short because he's not getting good instruction or all the information necessary. I don't want a fighter getting hurt because he's not good in getting information or all the information necessary. I'll quote Greg Jackson before I let, hand it over to you. I'll quote Greg Jackson on the recent countdown between Penn and, and Rodriguez. Greg Jackson said, you're supposed to try and get as much information as possible and look at the problem from as many perspectives as possible. All the people who succeed in any phase of life that's what they do. Get lots of information, get lots of perspectives, and then they attack the problem. If you're not doing that, you're gonna, you're not only gonna not succeed now, you're gonna fall further and further behind in competition because you don't have access to all the information you need to succeed. Information is key. And if you're not using it, it means you're scared. And if you're scared, you're not gonna win. And that's a fact in any phase of life. And that's how I feel about this. It's not that I want when I want to be a big star. I just want to see guys, if they're going to lose, lose without getting wrecked. And if you're going to have a chance to win, win, especially for those guys who don't have top-notch athletic ability. They don't have those luxuries of turning a fight around. They don't have the luxury of a bad game plan. They have to be totally prepared, totally on their game, have an A, B, and C plan for when things get bad so that they can win. And worst case scenario, not get totally damaged in a fight. They have to have that, and guys aren't giving it to them. That's some good breakdown there, sir. Some good, uh, some good information. So, um, yeah, with that, you know, what am I working on? I am doing the usual, covering football, covering um, grappling all over the place, doing my thing. Uh, I got an interesting piece on the uh, Ronda Rousey commentary that is going on. Uh, you know, I'm not even going to, like the Ronda Rousey commentary has been crazy this uh, this last week. So I I have that up on the site, but as always, you know, you can find my work at MMARatings.net. You can catch my stuff there. You can catch me on Bloody Elbow. You can catch me um just about all over the place, man. So with that in mind, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say thank you for listening to yet another edition of the MMA Ratings Podcast. You can check us out at MMARatings.net. Follow us on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Be sure to catch our commentary there, but we thank you for... Yeah, go ahead. 
I just got one more thing to say. Go ahead, man. I don't know if Julia Pena is listening to this, but she claimed she would have been the one to end the myth of Ronda Rousey. If Ronda Rousey would have came back against Julia Pena, she would have run through her and dominated her and crushed her with it a round and a half. I don't know what she's smoking. I don't know what she's thinking. Maybe she's never seen herself fight. I have. Ronda Rousey would have soloed her and Elizabeth Phillips, one after the other, or both at the same time. I don't know what that girl's on. And I'm a fan of Julia Pena. I watch fights closely. That was never going to happen. She should be glad that Nunez did what she did to Rousey because now she might have a chance. But there's no circumstances where where Pena has anything for Rousey. I've seen her fight. I know what she can do. Ain't happening. Had to get that out there because she. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that too, just because like the way her style is so grappling based, it plays right into Ronda's wheelhouse, directly into her wheelhouse. Is going to beat Ronda Rousey, a gra- grappler who wants to clinch, fight in the clinch, and grapple is going to beat Ronda Rousey with no strike. Okay, then. All right. I said that. I mean, hey, there's a such thing as pipe dreams, you know? Yep. The pipe is the key thing. I don't want to say what she's smoking in it because that might have got her going. But seriously. <laughs> so, with that in mind, man, we're going to go ahead and. Uh, close out you know we always thank you for being on the show thank you for being here and checking us out and be sure to catch us next week when we bring back another edition of the mma ratings podcast thank you sir everybody have a good night no have a good night man